This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. Hey guys, it's Alana, and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real-life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned, and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. On this episode of Unfiltered, I'm joined by a 24-year-old female who has been grappling with religious sexual shame while trying to date. From a young age, she was taught that dating and sexual experiences were for marriage only. She has spent years reflecting on her religious upbringing and is now committed to starting over and dictating her own values as she begins to explore how she feels about casual dating, relationships, and everything that comes with modern dating. Hey guys, it's Alana and you are listening to Seeing Other People, which is brought to you by the best sponsor in the world, Mindset Wellness CBD. You hear that? That is the sound of my Mindset Wellness gummies. Of course, I'm at home again. And every time when I go home to my parents' house, I bring a jar that I make a little mixture of. Um, so I can choose anything that I want a la carte from this one jar. So it's a jar that says calm, but inside I have calm gummies, rest gummies, and focus gummies. I came home for a week to just really focus on work. And I knew that I would be best served if I had my rest gummies to help me get a good night of sleep, my focus gummies for when I wake up in the morning and crack open my laptop and my to-do list and start powering through everything I have to do for the podcast and for um, the other podcasts that I produce and for my freelance clients. And then calm gummies for when I start to get really stressed out and realize that I am way in over my head and have scheduled way too much and have too much on my plate. So that is my trifecta of Mindset Wellness CBD gummies. It works for me. Highly recommend you try it promise it will work for you too. And head to mindsetwellnesscbd.com and use code seeing other people at checkout for 10% off and free shipping. And if you want to try all of them, obviously, like we all have commitment issues. So committing to getting like all three of those at once when you've never tried them is really aggressive. Um, So Mindset Wellness CBD has a gummy sampler pack. So you could try all of their mindsets. That includes the ones I mentioned as well as health and happy gummies. Um, So definitely check them out and let me know what you think. Welcome into the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Would you mind introducing yourself and what you're here to talk about? 
Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Anonymous, and I'm here to talk about my experiences with a, a kind of conservative religious upbringing and how that's really affected my entire dating life, my entire sex life, just how I relate to it. Um, it's been really bumpy, and now I'm in the process of kind of unpicking it and figuring out what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And that's been a, a long, long road. So, and now I'm here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's been a very long <laughs> journey and I'm so happy to have you here to talk about it, both for people who might be in a similar situation or have grown up similarly, who mm-hmm. are feeling conflicted about it or people like me who grew up completely differently. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to learn more and mm-hmm. hear what that's been like. So yeah. can you kind of paint a picture um, for what your upbringing was like for those who are unfamiliar with a super like religious background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, so I was raised in a conservative Catholic family. Um, my entire town is Catholic. My family has been Catholic for, you know, generations. My dad converted to marry my mom. Like we're in it to win it. And also that meant that I was raised with very kind of rigid ideals around sex and dating. I wasn't allowed to date until I was 16. Um, My parents never explicitly, they never explicitly gave me any rules around it, but just like sex was heavily um, disencouraged in the house. We never discussed it. Um, And then luckily I went to kind of a a public school in a fairly affluent area. So our sex ed was really good by most public school standards. And I'm very grateful for that, but it was also really spotty. And then with that also, um, to be, to get confirmed, I had to go through religious ed, like catechism classes since I was like from like seven until 14. So this is like seven years of like giving up a Sunday or a Tuesday and having to go. And when I was, I think 13, they did give us like a brief kind of sex ed overview too. And that was horrible. Obviously, we even had to sign abstinence contracts before we got confirmed. And at the time, I was like, Oh, this is weird. And I found it about like last year, I was digging through all the junk in my um, closet, I was living with my parents during the pandemic. And I found it. And I was like, What is this? This is crazy. And it was just like looking at this little laminated plastic card. I'm just like, Oh, they laminated it. Yeah. Oh, God. A whole thing. <laughs> really lasting forever there. Yeah, literally, that's the whole point, right? Just like, it was kind of visceral, actually, just like how much of my life had been controlled by these ideals. And I was such a different person starting to kind of figure it out at the time. And I was like, this is not what I want in my life. This is not who I am. But I think it's time that I kind of start confronting this upbringing and like, what does that mean for me now? Yeah. I mean, this is all really interesting to hear about. And I definitely have a lot of questions Mm -hmm. starting with, so you mentioned that you were given a brief sex talk when you were 13 in Mm -hmm. your like Catholic 
forget what you call it, but that Catechism class. class. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We called it religious um, ed, CCD, like everyone great. has their own Oh, version. CCD. That's what that stood for. I had friends who went to CCD. Oh, I think it is CCD. I think it is Catholic. It might be other denominations, but yeah. we called it CCD. So yeah, that's huh. what it was. Yeah. I was going to Hebrew school. My friends were going to CCD. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Full circle. All comes back to that. Yeah. Um, so what was that talk like? What did they say other than like, don't do this until you're married? And and what was the contrast between that and then the like public school sex education that you received when you were probably a little bit older? Yeah, I was actually telling the story to a friend a few years ago. And I was like, haha, this thing happened to me at religious ed. And they were like, shocked when I told the story. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And I told the story. I was like, oh, maybe I'm not. So basically what they did was they brought us in and it was just all of our teachers were just volunteers. I think they were like mothers from around town. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they were certified in this. I honestly had no idea, but one of them went up. We're in like this little room, me and my entire class, which is a bunch of kids I would eventually go on to go to high school with. So small town, small church you knew everyone. And she holds up a roll of duct tape. And she's like, all right, we're going to talk about premarital sex. And I'm like, I'm like 13. I'm like, okay, sure. She rips off a roll of tape. And she's like, this is someone who has never had premarital sex. And we're like, okay. And she rips off another piece of tape and starts sticking them together and pulling them apart and sticking together and pulling apart and they lose their stickiness. And she's like, this is someone who has had premarital sex. And we're like, what? And she pulls off another fresh piece of tape off the roll and tries to stick them together. And they don't, obviously, because one piece is unsticky. And she's like, this is what happens to marriage if a partner comes to the marriage having had premarital sex. And she's kind of like, if you have premarital sex, you will ruin your marriage. You are letting down your spouse and you will like break up and I was I remember just sitting there feeling this like just visceral horror at like and I didn't even know what sex was I didn't know what the mechanics were I didn't know anything I just knew it was this thing that like ruins marriages (laughs) if you have it before you get married and so I was like this is terrible and I was terrified of it for years and I'm I just mean, terrified of talking yeah, about it. Yeah. I'm terrified listening. Like, I'm terrified of it. Now, I don't want to go and have sex right now. Right? Like, I told the story, and my friend's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh, God, maybe not. And I yeah. really want to give the caveat that, like, this is my personal experience with this faith. Obviously, there are many people who have enriching sex lives in different faiths, and that is wonderful. But for me, this is my experience, and I had I held a lot of anger and grief and I still do around this and I'm still trying to understand my relationship to it so I just like want to make that caveat that I'm not bashing Catholicism I'm not bashing religion at all it's just my own experience I have a lot of I just feelings around it grief anger sadness etc of course of course Mm -hmm. at what point in your life did you start to realize that these things that you were taught that these things that you were led to believe and value were not necessarily like the popular norm? Um, college. I 
I grew up in the Midwest and then I went to a small liberal arts school in the Midwest. So, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. different pond, same size kind of deal. But even so going to college, like my roommate had a boyfriend, um, they've been having sex for a long time. I had friends who were having sex and just their entire experience with it was so different from what I knew. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of starting to figure out like people don't grow up the way I did. Like this is, they seem to have this like sort of like language and understanding around sex that they're just getting. And it's not scary. It's not weird. They can just do it. And it seems really fun. And (laughs) I was like, it's allowed to be fun. Like all it was just blowing my mind. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel like I would have felt like everything I knew was just like flipped on its head. I mean, even like I grew up in, in a suburb of New York city, that's very Mm -hmm. much a bubble. And the the college I went to, I went to Syracuse university, which is Mm -hmm. also very much can be a bubble Mm -hmm. similar to that I grew up in, but like because of the classes I took and the different activities I involved myself in in the beginning and the different friends I made, I realized two things. I realized that a, there was a whole world outside of that bubble and B, that mm. that bubble was very much a bubble. Yes. And so it was interesting to see. It's like, yes, there are some people who did grow up the way you are and who like have shared experiences, even if you didn't grow up in the same place. But there are also people who grew up entirely differently. Mm-hmm. And you might not relate to the things that they believe, but you might want to learn about the things mm-hmm. that they believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, when you were like listening to these conversations amongst your friends and classmates, when you would, would you feel weird, like sharing what your beliefs were? Like, how were those conversations going? Yeah, I, I felt like I was in a really complicated place because I was very interested in hearing about it, but also it was this push and pull of like, I'm also really anxious hearing about it because there's a lot of shame that I've grown up with. Like, this is something that's bad. You're not supposed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. Like you're doing something wrong. And I would feel very anxious hearing a friend talk about it because I had that dialogue of like, this is bad. It's like, it's like having a drink when you're like, you know, 16, you're like, oh my God, like, are my parents going to catch me? Like, that's how I felt about it even into like my early twenties and I'm 24 and I still kind of feel that way sometimes, but hearing my friends talk about it, I was always like, I want to hear about it. And then it's like too much and I'm done. Like I can't, it just, it's too disorienting and I need to stop, but also like, tell me more, but I can't relate to it. So I feel really behind and just like kind of lame and boring and weird. It's that battle of curiosity where it's like, you want to know, but you don't want to know too much, but you're curious what that too much is. I feel like, yeah, yeah, like you said, with the drinking thing, like, I feel like that's how I felt like when I got to college and like everyone around me was like smoking weed. And I was like, no. Yeah. (laughs) And eventually I think it took like second semester, junior year. I finally like Mm -hmm. tried it. But before that I was like, it was something that I was like afraid of. And obviously I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to relate like smoking weed to like your entire religious upbringing, but (laughs) like just in, in terms of like Mm -hmm. knowing like that curiosity and and feeling like, well, like were people going to judge me for this or like how? Yeah. And I think the stigma and shame does 
I think it it's, works the same way. That's like actually mm-hmm. a great example because like even last year, a friend of mine was like, do you want to come smoke with me? And I was like, what if my mom finds out? And I'm like, she's not going to find out if I don't tell her. And (laughs) I was like, oh my God, that's like, if I have sex, like what if my mom finds out? She won't find out if I don't tell her. Like I don't have to tell her. (laughs) It's so funny because I feel like in a way, like I I get what you're saying completely Mm -hmm. because I grew up, like my parents had really strict rules for me. Mm -hmm. And so anything I did, it was always like, oh my God, like if they found out, like what would they do? Or like, I can't do Mm -hmm. that because like my parents aren't okay with it, which Mm -hmm. is like 99% of the time, there's no world in which they would have found out, but it was just like, it was drilled into my head that like, Mm -hmm. like they had these things that I could or couldn't do. And and I wasn't going to go against that. Yeah. 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 So at what point in, in college, in this discovery that there was this whole world out there, did you decide, um, that you maybe wanted to actually start exploring it? Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? It is so normal, but it's not talked about and it makes all of us going through it feel really alone and frustrated. And I'm one of those women and I have been so self-conscious about my hair thinning and shedding for so long. That is why I'm eternally grateful that I found Nutrafol last year. And honestly, I wish I had tried it sooner. When my team asked me recently if I wanted to team up with Nutrafol, I have never said yes to something faster. Nutrafol has become a part of my routine that I can't live without because of how much it's helped me and I truly could not recommend it more highly. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And it is so easy to start your hair journey. You can take the hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root cause. Because everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth doesn't cut it. That's why Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, as well as for different lifestyles like plant-based diets. And I know, I know, it can be hard to commit long-term to doing something every single day. But with Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription required, free shipping, and automatic delivery ensures that you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. If I can do it, so can you. It's kind of funny that I'm recording this right now as I'm literally about to go get a haircut because my hair is probably the longest it's ever been right now and my hair never used to grow. But now it does and it's really all thanks to Nutrafol. Plus, I am so grateful to be going into my wedding feeling confident about my hair and that is definitely not something I expected to be able to say before starting Nutrafol. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners a $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code seeing other people. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code seeing other people. That's Nutrafol.com promo code seeing other people. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere, for everything, all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. 
They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. I'm not just a girl on the go these days. I am a chicken running around with its head cut off. Two podcasts, wedding planning, wedding attending, dog momming, traveling, and trying to eat well, move my body, and stay sane all at once is not a recipe for success. That's why I've turned to my recipe masters, aka Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat meals that taste delicious, make me feel good, and take a major thing off of my to-do list. Factor's meals are pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved and there are more than 35 options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. Guys, I seriously can't say enough good things about Factor's meals. They take two minutes to heat up, which means I can pop them in the microwave between recordings, or I can grab a ready-made smoothie from the fridge on my way to a workout class, or I can even have dinner ready for me and Jake after a really long day of work without lifting a finger. It has changed so much and has really made me feel like there's one last thing I need to worry about. And I feel good after eating the meals. Like they're so delicious and nutritious. You can order as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. And you can pause or reschedule whenever you need, which has been really helpful for me with on and off traveling that I've had over the last few months and over the next few months. And you guys know I love when things make sense financially and factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So you save money and you don't have to go anywhere to pick them up. Factors roasted garlic butter salmon and their tomato basil chicken risotto are two of my favorites that I keep ordering on repeat, but honestly, every single one of their meals has lived up to the hype. And of course, we are hooking you guys up. Head to factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 and use code seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. That's code seeingotherpeople50 at factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. Honestly, I didn't really get to that point until maybe my se- my senior year or even last year. Like mm-hmm. at that point I was graduating college, I'd had a few experiences that were like fairly more intimate than I was ever used to being there and it was just every time I tried something like that, I would have this like really visceral internal shame chaos yeah. reaction where it's like I had to stop. I have to leave. I go home. I'm crying on the bathroom floor. I'm confused. I don't know what is going on with me and I cannot figure out why. And it's so frustrating to sit there. Like this is something that I think I want, but something is in the way and I do not know what it is. And I do not know how to get over this hump. And then last year, because, you know, everyone had to quarantine, I was just stuck in my childhood bedroom for all of that. And that was like weirdly therapeutic, very strange. And I started getting into podcasts about sex and reading books about sex. And I was starting to bring it up in therapy and kind of exploring like, I think this is what's wrong 
with me or to a degree, not that anything's wrong with me, but Mm -hmm. this is what has been causing me so much distress. And I'm willing to start trying to figure out where exactly the sticking point is because I'm tired. Like I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being single. I'm tired of this being this giant, scary thing that's keeping me from living like a well-rounded sexual adult life. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I feel like I'm getting left behind and I, I don't want to anymore. Yeah, that that left behind thing is actually what I wanted to mm-hmm. bring up next where like when you were starting to have these semi like more intimate experiences with people, mm-hmm. would you tell them like what your boundaries were and, and why or would you just like, like you said, like get up and leave and say I have to go? Like, mm-hmm. What was going through your head in those moments? I, uh, trying to think about it. Honestly, it was just a lot of, I keep saying internal chaos, because that's what it is, because my brain is trying to rationalize this entire mindset upbringing of good girls don't do this, good Catholic girls don't do this, it's, you know, et cetera, et cetera, sex is bad, evil, it's whatever it is. And also, Mm -hmm. I think I want to try exploring something, but also my parents will intensely disapprove, the church disapproves where do, what do I, what do I think in the middle of this entire maelstrom of just chaos? And so I honestly couldn't communicate this to a partner because I didn't know what my boundaries were. I was never allowed to explore what are my sexual intimate boundaries and getting thrown in as an adult. It was fine, but it was also really not fine. There's a lot of awkward, just flailing situations, a lot of me saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, or just feeling so unsure, seeking like affirmation from my partner and like not getting it. And then not knowing why I'm suddenly like locking up and feeling very strange. Mm -hmm. And then from that, I learned that you don't know where a boundary is until you bump against it sometimes. And that is what being an adult whose dates is like, and that was never allowed to me in my upbringing at all. And it was a really hard lesson to learn. And it still kind of is because I had the whole like, you cannot make mistakes because it's like, life or death in this situation, right? It's like, oh, what about your future marriage and spouse? And you're going to be a sticky piece of tape or unsticky piece of tape, like whatever it is. And so there was so many stakes riding on these things until I kind of had to go, I'm allowed to sit in a gray area of this is okay. That's not okay. I'm going to try this. I don't want to try that. And I, mm-hmm. it didn't even occur to me that I was allowed to tell a partner this thing because no one taught me that that was allowed. Right. And of course you can like listen to what other people have said or or how Mm -hmm. they've done it, but, and like ask, I I also feel like asking friends for advice wasn't necessarily a thing you could do because then it's like, well, what if they're judging me or they're going to make me feel guilty or full of shame for what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. And, and then the friends that were having sexual experiences, they can't, they couldn't relate to you. Like you couldn't relate Mm -hmm. to their experiences because they were so different and like based on different things than yours were. So I I can imagine that being a really isolating experience. Absolutely. It was so frustrating. And I had plenty of like sex positive, very supportive friends, but what it came down to is I didn't know what I needed to ask 
like what I needed to hear. And they didn't mm-hmm. know what I needed to hear because I couldn't, you know, tell me. And yeah. we're all just sitting in this zone of like, what is happening? And how can you help me? And they would just get frustrated. They're like, I, I don't know what to say. Like, you just, you just do it. I'm like, what do you mean? You, that's not how this works. <laughs> right. It's like, but how can you just do it? And like, yeah. why can you just do it when yeah. everything I've been taught is that you can't just do it? Yeah. Yeah. What has, so at this point now, like, is, is your family aware that this is something that's been in on your mind, but that you're thinking about putting into practice? What's the current status of everything? Um, my parents, we don't talk about this. I have a really good relationship with them. Um, I moved out very recently this year. This is the first time I'm living on my own and living with a friend from school and moving has been amazing. It's been this big exercise for me and like, self-trust kind of breaking away from my parents' like expectations and their rules. Mm-hmm. And I had already decided even last year and I was living with them, um, like they made, made us go to church every Sunday. It's very clear to them that that's important to them. It's not to me. I don't consider myself Catholic anymore. I don't want to be Catholic anymore. I don't think I want to have a spouse who is very religious. Like if we have kids, I don't think I would want to raise them Catholic and like my oh. mother would have a cow if I were to say this to her. And well, I, she hopefully does not listen to seeing other people. Right? I think we're safe. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're safe. But um, no, they have no idea. And even if I were, I would like I make this joke like I'd rather eat glass than tell my parents I was having sex. Mm-hmm. And like that still holds really true. Like I have siblings who are having sex, and my mom is, and they're adults, but my mom is deeply upset about it. And mm-hmm. I'm like the good kid. So I, I couldn't, I can't approach that. And it's fine. I'm finally at a place where I'm okay with having a life separate from my parents, but this kind of unspooling me from them has been really hard and it's been a long time coming. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really excited for you that you're able to now explore that independence and, mm-hmm. and not have that pressure on you all the time to, to be, like perfect in their eyes and Mm -hmm. and do exactly what they like dreamed you would do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which also with what you said about like, you are the good kid. Yeah. That that's me. (laughs) So I, I'm, I stand in solidarity as the good (laughs) kid with you. And I know the, the stresses that come with that. Are you also uh, an elder sister? I'm actually the youngest. Oh, I'm the oldest. So Uh, yeah. Yeah. Usually it's that there's like a lot of pressure on the oldest. And Mm -hmm. then like, it's like the parents are like, okay, we did our best. Like now we'll let the others like just do what they feel. But I have two older brothers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. oddly enough, my parents were not strict with them at all. And they were complete fuck ups. I mean, they were both really smart, like went to amazing Mm -hmm. colleges, got really like did great in school and stuff, but like mm-hmm. they both like drank and smoked and like partied and snuck out and didn't come back like until like the middle of the night and stuff. And like, I never was doing any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I like, I signed a contract that I wasn't going to drink my senior year of high school so that I could be a peer leader, quote unquote, mm-hmm. which was like, I, I taught health, um, mm-hmm. to sophomores and I, I had like a 10 o'clock curfew. Even when Mm -hmm. I came home from college, I had an 11 o'clock curfew. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't allowed to drive with any friend. I was not to get driven by any friend. And basically like they took every rule that they like 
they like set light rules for my brothers. They broke yeah. every single one of them. And then they set like rules that were like three times more strict on me. Wow. That is so stressful. Yes. My parents weren't that uh, they were strict in their own ways. They weren't like that, but I have two younger brothers. So one of them said, oh, to me, we're literally the opposite. I know one of them was like, you needed to be a worse kid. Cause he gets a lot of heat from our parents. I will say they are stricter with me. I think cause I'm a girl. Yeah. But with them, for sure, they are pretty strict, but my brothers blow through the rules. They don't care. But yeah, yeah like no drinking. I adhered very strongly to that. My brothers were like yep. drinking in the basement. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God. I would come home from a friend's house in high school. My mom's like, have you been drinking? I'm like, do you honestly think I'm dumb enough? It's like, have you met me? Of course not. (laughs) I'm afraid of you. Like, what do you want? Yeah. It's like, I'm I'm afraid of you and I'm afraid of alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. You did it, mom. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. Um, Okay. Back to Mm -hmm. all of the the dating stuff. Mm -hmm. What now like that you're living on your own and, and starting to really like explore this and you spent the last year, like you said, like listening to podcasts and books and, Mm -hmm. and like talking to your therapist about it. At this point, like what are your biggest like fears and unknowns and questions about dating? And what are your, like, I guess, goals for yeah. maybe like this next year of your dating life? I've been thinking about that for a long time. Um, I think last year was for me a year to kind of really go like, who am I? Just like, who am I by myself mm-hmm. and really get solid on that. And then I'm like, I think this year is who am I in relationship to others? And this meant I'm like asking my friends all these questions, you know, I'm like, how can you have like a really close friend and then a boyfriend? Like, what's the difference? And like, I understand the difference, but on some level, I'm like, well, my friends mean so much to me. Mm-hmm. What would a partner be? Is that different? Is that similar? I've done a lot of work around, like, I don't need a partner to be happy. I feel very content on my own, but I'm also very lonely. And what does that mean? Is that good? Is that bad? Um, my mom had said to me once, you shouldn't need anyone to make you happy. And I had kind of taken that. I was again, like a teenager. I didn't understand the nuance of you can't rely on someone to manage your emotions. Right. But I thought that to mean you shouldn't need a partner to feel like they can't make you happy. I guess it's right. kind of how I interpreted it. And now I'm in this weird space where I'm still trying to pick apart these things of like, do I want a boyfriend? Like, how do I feel about that? I feel very oddly enough, um, kind of angry at myself. Like I shouldn't want anybody. I should be okay on my own. I should be fine without needing the sort of like intimate connection. And I'm like, I think that's the purity culture, like rearing its ugly head. Like it's okay to want a partner. Mm-hmm. Do I want a casual experience? That sounds kind of scary, but also kind of interesting. I don't know. I've kind of tried dipping my toe in and I took my foot right back out of the lake. And I, I, to some degree, it's like, I don't know. And that's very freeing and wonderful because that means that I can make all the rules, but also there's like no path. And that's also very scary. And trying to come into the dating world now is 24 years old, never had sex, never had a long-term boyfriend, how do I communicate that to a partner? How do I communicate what I'm looking for? And I think I would want a partner who's either very patient or okay with the slow pace. And I know there are people like that out there, but I think that does narrow down the dating pool just a bit. 
and then trying to give myself the free reign to go, if you want to throw that rule out the window, go for it. But also don't feel like you have to. And yeah. the whole thing of like getting attached to somebody and having them break up with you sounds really terrible and scary. And I'm don't like conflict. So what if I like date someone and we have a fight? What do we do? And how do I navigate in my own internal boundaries around this? And, you know, the basic like, will someone like me? Will someone think I'm pretty? Like everyone has those feelings going to dating, but this is so, so new it's like, I feel like I'm 16 years old with like a, inside a 24 year old's body where I'm like, something's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like Freaky Friday, sort of a little bit, right? Where it's Freaky like, Freaky Friday whoa. slash 13 going on 30. Oh, that's, oh, 13 going on 30 was a much better idea. That's <laughs> oh my great. God. When, when she, when he like, wa- when she first like wakes up in the apartment, mm-hmm. he walks out of the shower naked, like she screams. <laughs> Honest to God. I'm like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You really have like a blank canvas in front of you, but it's Mm -hmm. figuring out like where the lines are and are you coloring in them or outside of them? Or Mm -hmm. are you going to like erase something and and, like Mm -hmm. paint over it? And that's, I mean, I obviously like, I've never been in that situation. Like I obviously, um, when it comes to dating, cause I, started like at a norm, I guess a younger age and just like yeah. trial and error. Um, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, I feel like that's like a wonderfully terrifying p- yeah. position to be in. In a way it's like this kind of beautiful gift that I can come to this as like an adult with very strong ideals, but also I haven't, that means I have to go through all the awkward, terrible flailing things that everyone does when they're like 16, except I get to do it as an adult and it feels like almost more that much more embarrassing Mm -hmm. so but yeah like I truly really do want a boyfriend but I've never had one and almost it's like the inertia of just not having one I'm like how do I get one how do I keep one like what do right (laughs) that part I'm still trying to figure out right yeah I'm like obviously that's like the ongoing negotiation of every relationship you ever have but just like, what is that like? That seems really fun. And I would love to have that. But how do I get there? And I hate filtering through the dating stuff. I don't like dating apps. But that's unfortunately, you got to go through the, you know, the more distasteful stuff to get to the good stuff. And that's life. Yeah, I feel like it would be really, really cool if you like documented this, whether (laughs) it's like writing it, like, just like writing it down in a journal or something. And and like, I feel like you're in a position where you're going to learn so much. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that you've had the chance, like you said, like you, you learned who you are, but now you have to figure out who you are with others. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've learned the most about myself, mm-hmm. both in the past year and during the pandemic, being alone with myself mm-hmm. at my parents' house. And mm-hmm. secondly, through dating and through figuring out what, makes me feel comfortable and Mm -hmm. what doesn't and what type of person do I feel Mm -hmm. good with and what type of person makes me feel anxious and Mm -hmm. so it's a really like yeah it's it's wonderfully terrifying um but I think in terms of of how to approach it I think I would just say like one step at a time yeah you know and and don't feel like embarrassed about anything it's not like like I know so many people who are even like 30 and have never had a boyfriend before or had a girlfriend or a partner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think everyone in is 
more focused on what they're self-conscious about rather than what the other person is self-conscious about. So it's like, uh, someone said this amazing thing to me the other day. It's like, if you're like walking down the street and you're like, I look terrible today. Like people are going to judge me. Like I look like shit. Like everyone's going to think I'm like so ugly and a mess. Not a single person is looking at you thinking that they're thinking whatever's going on in their head and in their life. So yes, like you could go into these situations being like unsure of how to approach certain things, how to say certain things, but regardless of what you're unsure of, the the person on the other side has a whole different list of things in their head that they're Mm -hmm. like, well, like I never had this type of experience or like this last person really hurt me. So I'm equally afraid to like Mm -hmm. be doing this right now, you know? Mm -hmm. That's like, that's very true. It's all, it's almost scarier knowing that you're both kind of coming to this thing. Like, obviously that's life with your own stuff, but comforting really comforting but also very scary it's like i got my stuff i got a lock on my stuff yeah you better have a lock on your stuff otherwise this isn't gonna go well that's that's honestly the thing it is hard to find people who like especially guys i found who like actually really are in touch with themselves yeah and who have done the work and and that's something i talk to like a lot of the seeing other people listeners about because it's Mm -hmm. like anyone who's listening to a dating podcast is somebody who is interested in dating, who's actively thinking about how can I make this work for me? Mm-hmm. But the person on the other side of the table on your date is not necessarily in that same mindset. They're not mm-hmm. necessarily thinking it. They're just like going on a date. And mm-hmm. who knows if they've done any like self-discovery or looked inwards at all. So it is really tough to kind of navigate that and and find the good ones or the yeah. ones who are on that same level of the playing field. And that's been on my mind for so long. And obviously I don't want to like bash, you know, men that they're all this, you know, emotionally immature or whatever. But I think for me personally, I'm a very cerebral person. I'm in my head a lot. I think I want someone who's very like with it, very emotionally aware and attuned, but also maybe more playful, maybe more open out of their head, but they have to meet me where I'm at. And I feel like sexually, obviously everyone is at a different stage in their life with their experiences of sex. And that was really comforting to find out as an adult, that like everyone's on a varying degree of sexually active and that's great. Yep. But I feel like there's the cultural narrative that like men are these, you know, they have sex all the time. That's all they want. And I know that's not true. But as a woman dating, that feels very true for me. And that feels very scary to have to manage that expectation of are we going to be intimate? What do you want from me? What do I want from you? Am I allowed to say, I don't want that from you or I can't give that to you? And if someone reacts negatively, obviously that's their response that's on them. But I'm very afraid of being met with that of like, Oh, I don't want to do X, Y, Z. And then Mm -hmm. them being angry with me or upset or whatever. And obviously, that's not someone I want to date. I'd say great. Thanks for the info. We're done. But I don't know. It's like, dating is so I don't don't want to say random, but like you don't know people until you really get to know them. And I love emotional connection. I do it. I love doing it. I love talking and being close to people. And I'm always worried, like, is this too much? Do I go in too much? Would someone meet me here? And then are we in too deep if something goes wrong? Like, what do we do then? Or what if we don't connect? And now I just feel uncomfortable. (laughs) 
Yeah, there definitely will be awkward moments. And I mean, back to what you were saying about if you say you don't want to do something with someone or you do want something or or can or can't give them and and their response. I think the most important thing to remember in those situations is their response is a reflection of them and not you. Mm -hmm. And not every single person is going to respond in that way. And regardless of what conversation you're having, regardless of what the topic is, regardless of what like the it is in the Mm -hmm. situation, everyone experiences people reacting in a way that doesn't serve them and that doesn't serve the situation. And that can be like scary. And like, it's like the big fear. And Mm -hmm. you just have to remember, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. It's not you, it's, it's them. And Mm -hmm. not to say there's something wrong with them. It's just a reflection on who they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I hear that. Yeah. You're going to have to remind yourself of it a lot. Yeah. I'll write it on a big (laughs) post-it note and stick it on my mirror or something. Yeah. Okay. Wait, I have a question. Yeah. What was your first kiss like? Oh my God. I, it's like, I like the story. I think it's fun. I was studying abroad. Um, I was 21 at the time and I kind of don't remember it because I was at a club and I was just with some friends we were abroad with and it was a great night. It was super fun. And, and me and a girl who was on my trip were talking to these two guys and she kind of, they split off and I'm with the other guy and he's like, we're drinking obviously. Cause like, mm-hmm. honestly, we had just finished writing a paper and I was like, screw this. I'm going out. Cause everyone else oh, was yeah. going out and I was super tired. So it was like Thursday night. I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you want to go outside and get some air? I'm like, sure. And we're talking and it's fine. And we're talking and he, he's smoking a cigarette. He does. I remember this. He does start smoking a cigarette and I'm like, all right, fine. Like we'll keep chatting. And he, I think he finishes it and or puts it out or whatever. And then he goes in, he's like, can I just, and then he goes in and kisses me. And I'm like, okay. You know, half of like, sure. And the other half is like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> It was fine. And I remember pulling away and going, that was my first kiss. And he's like, you're joking. I'm like, nope. Oh and my then God. I think he was like really surprised. Um, yeah. Cause I guess the assumption is like, you're 21 years old. Like you're an adult, you've been with other people. And then um, my group came by, like, we're going home. We have class tomorrow. I'm like, all right, goodbye. And left. <laughs> See you <laughs> never. <laughs> I know, but I was like super excited. I had never had that kind of attention before. Um, and that's also part of like dating's really hard. I've not gotten a lot of like attention from men before. It's never really been positive. I was bullied in school growing up. Um, I was kind of, you know, everyone's like this horrible, awkward middle schooler. I got hit really hard with that in middle school and it stuck for a long time. So it was this new experience of like, someone thinks I'm pretty. Someone wants to kiss me. Do I want to kiss them? I don't know. I'm going to try it out. And it was like overall positive experience. I wouldn't change it. It's like a fun, cool story to tell. Like my first kiss was in England. Like, yeah, I love that. I know I've been like, I've had the biggest smile on my face since you started telling the story. That's great. Mm -hmm. And and I'm happy that it was a situation where like you felt really good about it and there wasn't too much fear involved. Yeah. I mean, I was, again, I logically, I'm like, I was also very drunk and I'm an anxious person. And so, you know, that does turn the anxiety off. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's part of it. If I was sober, maybe I would have felt a lot more 
agitated, but yeah, I was like, I'm just going to coast it. I'm taking the win. This was a positive experience and we're just going to roll with it. We love positive experiences. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. So one thing I'm wondering, cause I know, and I guess I'm, I'm based off of that story. I do know a lot of people who are in their early mid and even late twenties who have not had sex mm-hmm. and not for a religious upbringing, sexual shame type of reason, but it just never happened. They never really got serious with somebody. They didn't sleep around the way some other people Mm -hmm. did in college. And now they're like in their late twenties and it just hasn't happened. And for them, it's like this battle of, well, do I, at this point, like I've waited so long, like now I, I can't do it with somebody like casually, like it has to be somebody I feel comfortable with. But on the flip side of that, they're like, or should I just like go on a date where I like, the guy seems nice and like normal and Mm -hmm. just like get it over with and just Mm -hmm. do it so that it's not this giant like elephant, not in the room, but in my head, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, I guess what your thoughts are on that. I've been going back and forth on that for a while. Um, In the past, I've been kind of like, should I just rip the bandaid off? But I knew I wasn't at a place where I was like, I don't think I can healthily do that. I think if Mm -hmm. I And I, again, like I had tried, but I got hit with this giant old wave of like shame and just fear and anxiety. It was like, no. And basically I was kind of taught growing up that like, you didn't have sex until you were married. You didn't have sex until you were like, I think I'd even asked my parents once, like, what if you move in with like your fiance? And my parents were like, you don't do that. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. So there are rules and I'm kind of in this space of like, if I wait till I'm with someone who I really like, like I'm committed to, that kind of flips the, that flips it a little bit. But also there's the like, we have to become boyfriend, girlfriend before we can have sex. And that works for some people, but that takes a lot of effort and a lot of dating people to figure that out. And that works for some people, but that's going to be a lot of work and it's, that's worth it. But on the other hand, it's like, what if I did just kind of, demystify the first time is this like big deal. Obviously my worth is not going to change. My identity is not going to change. Nothing about me will change. Mm -hmm. If I have sex, this is just an experience I'm going to gain. Could I try a casual relationship? So I've been flip-flopping back and forth on that. And what my therapist had me do was very interesting was she had me lay out milestones of like intimate sexual experiences. And she's like, where do you want to be with somebody to hit each of these milestones? And they're still changing. So I'm still like thinking my way around them. But at first I was like, I have to be boyfriend and girlfriend. And then eventually Mm -hmm. I was like, or that's, what if that's part of the dating process? Like what if you don't have to be boyfriend, girlfriend and you can have sex and you can have sex and say it goes poorly And you don't want to see each other again. That's an entirely valid experience that people can have. I'm like, Mm -hmm. like, you're allowed to do that. (laughs) A lot of me (laughs) is going through this is going, you're allowed to do that. Yes, you're allowed to do anything if it's consensual and positive and et cetera. So I flip flop on it all the time. Half of me is like terrified to have someone like see me, like see my body. But on Mm -hmm. the other hand, it's like the bandit might have to come off, but who I have to sort through a dating app to get to this person either way. And that doesn't feel quite safe to me yet. So I'm in this gray area of like, maybe I'll decide eventually. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I love that, that exercise, but I also think it's like so good to think about it, but also know that like, it's going to continuously change and it's not, it doesn't have to be a set rule that you have to follow. Like everything that you previously learned when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and two things that I, I think I, I kind of want to share, and I'm really bad at talking about sex. I never talk <laughs> about sex on this show or like ever. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually, my previous, my, my ex-boyfriend and I, we actually were boyfriend and girlfriend before we had sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was partially because I, I like, literally can't like I I don't have sex with people until I'm very comfortable with them I can't I've had bad experiences and I've had experiences Mm -hmm. that have just made me like not want to do that of course there have been there have been times it's not like I've never not Mm -hmm. with somebody who I wasn't serious with but it's it's really like a kind of a it it, it's a big thing for me Mm -hmm. um and I expressed that I wanted to take it slow and he was like so fine with that. And our emotional connection progressed pretty quickly and it progressed a lot faster than the physical connection. And then, then when it was at that point, I felt completely comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I was thinking is maybe it's somewhere in what happens for you could ends up being somewhere in between, like having a significant other, a partner that you're fully with and something casual where it's like, you find like, Maybe you find a, like a friend, you know, mm-hmm. and, or maybe you meet someone and you're like, okay, like I don't see this going anywhere, but like, I have a lot of questions and a lot of things to learn and you're somebody I feel comfortable with. And, mm-hmm. and that's also an experience that I sort of had where like in the, after a bad breakup, when I was like trying to get over someone and a friend of mine was also trying to get over someone, we were like, should we just like try and get over them together? And for me, it was more so that I could kind of like, work through some of like the sex fears that I had, mm-hmm. even though for him, it was kind of just like to get over his ex. It, for me, it was like, this is somebody that I genuinely feel very safe with mm-hmm. and that maybe this is a person who will like this experience will help me. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's like finding that person, you know? Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I love that. And like I, that idea had even come to me recently where again, it's like, you're allowed to do that. It's someone who you wouldn't want to date long-term for whatever reason, but maybe sexually you're like, can we have a relationship and can we just try this? And I was like, again, you're allowed to do that. Like a friend of mine was like, love and lust are allowed to be separate things and Mm -hmm. it's not bad if they're separate. And that was so permission giving and so just different and new that I was like, you can do that. This is just running me. You can do that over and over again. But yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I think it's also cool to to find someone who you can really like open up to about all of this, you know, so Mm -hmm. that they understand and that they are willing, like you said, like to like somebody who's patient and who's okay with going at your pace. Like, I think if you were able to actually talk to somebody and, and openly like let them know where you're at every step of the way, I think that could be I mean, obviously that's the opposite of just saying like, okay, screw it. Let's just find someone and get it over with. But yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, every type of situation is out there and whatever. No, that is the happy medium, I think, where it's like between the two somewhere, someone you do have something with, but it's like, I'm okay if it, you know, is just this. Yeah. 
Exactly. You're going to have to report back. I hope you know I'm invested (laughs) in this. (laughs) My therapist is like, what's a small step you can take? And I'm like, I could download a dating app. And she's like, great. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm still feeling a lot of like resistance to it. So I'm, I think I just need to like, at least rip that bandaid off and just kind of try and dip my toe in. I was actually reading how to not die alone. Cause I listened I was, to that interview. I was about to say, I mean, you, yeah, I was, I'm also going to add you, there's a Facebook group for it mm-hmm. and it, there's like over a thousand people in it now. And it's just, it's a group. And for everyone, anyone listening, like mm-hmm. look up the group, how to not die alone book club. Um, it's the book by Logan Yuri mm-hmm. and it, this Facebook group is incredible. It is a group of like 1000, like intentional people Mm -hmm. who are trying to figure out dating together, who like support each other and ask questions that similarly like unfiltered. It's like people are sharing their experiences and their stories and are being really vulnerable. And then everyone else is coming together really like openly and vulnerably to like figure it out together. And it's, it's so cool. That is Um, amazing. Thank you. I would love to be in this group. I am a textbook hesitator with like a side taste of romanticizer. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really hard combo. And like, I just moved to this big city and there's so many people and I see all these people around. I'm like, Oh, he's cute. He's cute. He's cute. And it's like, do you want to talk to him? I'm like, no, why would I do that? Never. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Well, yeah, Yeah. I'll definitely add you to that group. I love that you are reading the book. Um, I love it. Yeah. One thing I'll I'll say also is maybe like there's no harm in like downloading the app, making your profile. You don't have to talk to anyone yet. You know, I think taking it, like breaking it down to like really step by step. And then it's like when you see somebody that you're like, like they intrigue you and you're like, hmm, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know. Yeah. Um, Okay. Before I let you go, Mm -hmm. from everything that you've learned and everything that you've experienced so far, what advice would you give to somebody who is maybe listening to this and, and, really resonates with everything that you've shared and has a similar story and is feeling maybe lost or confused? I think, first of all, you have to have a lot of compassion for yourself and a lot of patience for yourself. Like you're bombarded with all these different shoulds, like you should be X amount sexual at X age, you should have X experience with these partners. There is no rule book. And if you're feeling shame, I'm just curious, where is it coming from? What is motivating you to hold on to these dating values and who gave them to you? And what would happen if you threw all of them out the window? I know it sounds really scary and big, but like, if you were to say to all of this upbringing, all of these ideas, this isn't right for me. And that is okay. And that's great. And if something makes you anxious, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad or wrong. And you have to do that horrible work of like bumping up against boundaries just to know where they are. And you are allowed to kind of start sourcing that out for yourself. Just just a lot of like, you're allowed to be, you know, a person out in the world figuring things out. I had always said that my experience of growing up in religion, I was taught that the only person I could never trust was myself. And then coming out of it, coming to all of this, I learned the only person I can truly trust to have my back 100% to always choose what's right for me is myself. I can make good choices. And I always doubted that I could do that. So you can 100% make the right choice for yourself because you know yourself. And also one more thing. I have so many things. One more thing. 
Every you can do that. You're allowed. You're yeah, allowed okay. to have multiple things. Yeah, I have multiple things. <laughs> this is just stuff I've learned. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I knew this. But um, I hesitate to call things mistakes, but you're allowed to make any and every mistake in the rule book. You're allowed to make mistakes outside of the rule book. And they don't even have to be considered mistakes. They are things that are giving you valuable information about who you are and what you want and who you do or don't want. And you are fully allowed to be awkward and horrible and no one is going to die. And if you never see that person again, great, that's too soon. And it's okay that these people are out walking around in the world. If they have this idea of you, you only believe it if you agree with them. So you don't have to agree with them. You can kind of test out different pieces of who you are with different people and then like forget about them entirely and just kind of take what you need and keep moving. So oh, I'm trying to think what else I had taken notes. Yeah. I think it's just like, get curious, read books, listen to podcasts. Don't be afraid to ask questions about, is this correct for me? Um, just talk about it, get used to talking about it. Cause even I couldn't talk about sex. I would have never have dreamt of doing this a year ago or even two years ago. This would have been like, an intense no. And now I'm like, my friend's like, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, I'm reading like all these different sex books and all this stuff. And it like puts people off a bit. But I'm like, I don't care. Like, this is where I'm at in my life. And you are fully allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to tell your parents things you don't want to tell them. Yep. You are allowed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This episode probably needs to be called You're Allowed to Do That. You're Allowed to Do um, That. Yeah, you can do that? Question mark. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really love all of that. You said mm -hmm. all of that so beautifully. And I'm really excited and, and hopeful that this episode will get to people who really mm -hmm. need to hear it and will also help people who don't necessarily understand or, or have never really experienced mm -hmm. or been exposed to this type of upbringing or these beliefs. And mm -hmm. so I think it it's great that everyone is really like able to open their minds and and learn about it mm -hmm. so that let's say let's say somebody is a listener who you end up on a mm -hmm. date with and then they will un, like they will know to be patient you that know That would be so amazing actually. I can just say <laughs> listen to this as yeah. like your pre-reading material and then we'll go on a date. Oh <laughs> my god, you need to try need that. To about me. Oh my god, maybe I will, who knows, but can it, I Hey, it's an experiment. It's an experiment. <laughs> can I have one more thing I just thought of. Of course. Yeah. You, you're allowed to do that. I'm allowed to do that. Um you are fully allowed to be any faith you want to be and have an enriching sexual life. I thought that being Catholic meant that I had to be unhappy and afraid. And that's why I left. But also I'm now knowing that there are plenty of people who can hold the two things at once. It's my opinion, if you are someone who's faithful, that if I don't believe that a God who would judge somebody for having sex with whoever they wanted to, however it looked like, that's not a loving God. And I don't want to believe in that. I would choose to believe in a God who wants people to be happy and enjoy living in their bodies and living in their life, however that looks. So that that's the one thing too, is if you're still kind of in this upbringing, you can hold the two truths at once. They're not mutually exclusive and you are, you're allowed to go forward with these things and you can still 
have a relationship to your faith and have a relationship to your sexual life. Beautifully said. Thank you. Well, thank you so Mm -hmm. much for being here. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm honored to have had you and to have had the opportunity to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. I was so excited when you responded to my email. I'm so honored to be here. I'm a huge fan. So I'm so grateful for this opportunity to just talk about my life. and, And I hope other people can relate. And I have so much love and empathy for whoever's struggling with this. As do I. Thank you again. And to everyone listening, thank you for tuning in and thank you for opening your minds and and hopefully learning something during this episode. And this has been Seeing Other People Unfiltered.